Ephesians chapter 1. So where do we leave off? Did we, did we start last week, chapter 1? Or you guys just forgot? Verse 10? 6. It's like bingo, right? E6. P10. <laughs> hey, I, uh, yeah, so... Ephesians 1, we're going to back it up. I left off in a different spot, first service than second service. I got things totally jacked up. So we're going to start in verse 7. How's that sound? Does that sound good, you guys? Is that cool? Let's pray. Lord, um, we just need your help so much, Lord, that we would understand your word and to hear, to hear your voice, to put the things that we're learning into practice that we might grow, that... Our lives would thrive and abound under your care. Thank you for being not only our living hope, but our good shepherd. Thank you for how you shepherd our lives, how you cherish us, how you love us, and for how you nourish us. And and again, we've come to you, Lord, this morning to be nourished by you, to be taught by you, and to experience a fresh work of your spirit. And so have your way in us and through us and amongst us. We pray for your glory, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Hey, so uh, I realized this week, just reading through Ephesians and studying, uh, preparing for this morning, I realized I left something out last week. I I cannot believe I left this out in our Bible study. This is like so important, and I also left out something else. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. (laughs) If you need a Bible, raise that hand up real high. Yeah, we, there we go. We don't want you to miss out. Thanks, man. So check this out. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter, and he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church, right? Um, City in modern-day Turkey. Do you guys remember where Paul was when he was writing this? Where he was? Anybody remember? You guys remember? Y'all remember? He's in prison. Paul is in prison writing this letter. If you flip forward with me real quick, I just want to show you guys something. Chapter 3, verse 1. Look what Paul says there. Chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, For this reason I, Paul, the... What does your Bible say? Prisoner of Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Not the prisoner of Rome. Not the prisoner of his circumstances. Prisoner of Jesus Christ, and then chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you or beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And then check this out. This is what like, this, just studying this week, like really nailed me to think about this a little more. In chapter 6, verse 20, I think it is, chapter 6, verse 20, Paul is asking for prayer. And he says, speaking of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Is that interesting? Paul says, I'm an ambassador in chains. 
Now, Paul's in a Roman prison. Roman prison is not like our prison system. I know we have a few people in our church that have been in prison, hopefully no one going to prison, but we have a few that have been in prison, and I heard it's not much fun, but imagine being in a Roman prison. Paul's in chains, and remember where he began this letter? He called himself an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, one sent out by Jesus, and then we get to the end of the letter, and he's calling himself an ambassador in chains. That doesn't almost seem to fit, does it? What does an ambassador do? Think about that with me. An ambassador represents his homeland, his country, but he's in a foreign land. So Paul, representing heaven, he's there in prison, he's in chains. And remember where our letter began? Was he, was he boo-hooing? Was he, was he saying a bunch of poor memes in this first chapter? Like, I can't believe I'm in here. I got done wrong. You wouldn't believe what they did to me while I'm here. Is he doing that in this letter? He's not. Remember where we began last week? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly places. He's saying, let's get this party started. (laughs) As he begins this letter, let's celebrate the Lord and what he's done for us. He's in chains. It doesn't seem to fit, does it? But that's where his heart was. His heart was in heaven. Like he was focused on the heavenly blessings that God has given us that he's poured out into our lives. And he wants everyone else to be reminded of those heavenly blessings that we have, every blessing, every spiritual blessing that we have in the Lord. I think that's great because he is, he's other centered here. He's thinking, okay, I'm stuck in prison. I can't get out right now. What's the next best thing I can do? I can write these believers. I can write the believers at Colossae. I can write Philemon. I can write the Philippians. I can write the Ephesians. I can encourage them and instruct them and, 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 and help them along in their walk too, to build them up in their walk with the Lord. I mean, think about this. When's the last time you've gone through a difficult situation? Circumstance. I know some of us, we're going through some trials, aren't we? Maybe some of you feel like I'm in chains right now. I'm chained to this situation. I'm chained to this, this job. Listen, it's all perspective. I think we need to learn something from this with the Apostle Paul. I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Lord, you've, you've brought me here. You've brought me to this place, and I'm okay with that. I know I can't get out right now. I know I can't visit these people, but here's the next best thing I can do. I'm going to write them a letter. And think about that. As he's, as he's dictating this letter, remember he would have someone, a secretary or a scribe, writing down his words, an amanuensis, big word, right? And who was also in there with him? The Roman guards that were switched out that would rotate every four hours. Can you imagine the Roman guards sitting there listening to this? Wow, really? The next guard comes on like eight hours later. Could you tell me the first chapter? I'd like to hear that. I missed out on the whole. Because at the end of this letter, he's asking for prayer that he would boldly speak as he ought to speak. Listen, all of us ought to be speaking in the name of our Lord, no matter what our circumstances are. And sometimes we need prayer for boldness for that, you guys. 
Hey, would you pray for me that God would give me boldness in this tough situation, in this, in this gnarly circumstances I'm going through, that I would speak as I ought to speak, because Jesus said, out of our hearts should be flowing rivers of buffalo, bayou, dirty, runoff, rainwater. Is that what he said, something like that? No, out of our hearts would flow rivers of living water. That's what's coming out of Paul. Words that refresh, that cleanse, that strengthen as he's writing this. I, listen, I am so encouraged. I'm so challenged at just studying this and being reminded of this. And this season of life was hard for the Apostle Paul. And some of you guys are going through hard seasons of life right now. Can I encourage you this morning to focus in on what the Lord has done for you and for me? That we would get our eyes off of our circumstances, our eyes onto Jesus and on to his word this morning. We're reminded of what he's done for us. Let's check it out. Remember, verse 3 through 14 is one long run-on sentence. But we finished in verse 6, I believe, this service. So I'm going to read the next little section. So the first, verses 3 through um, 6, are is the work of the Father his blessings, and then it focuses on the next uh, verses 7 through 12, uh, the blessings or the work of the Son, and then verse 13 and 14 will be the blessings or the work of the Holy Spirit. If you like outlines, that's where we're going to roll today. Let's check it out, verse 7. In Him, that's in Jesus, in the Beloved, what do we have? We have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. So let me draw your attention back to verse 7. Notice those first two words in verse 7 is in, in him, right? So it says, in him. Remember, all of these blessings are in Christ. Once you gave your heart to Jesus, now you are positionally in him. You are in Christ, and it's glorious. Notice what we have. The blessing this morning we're going to be talking about is redemption. We have been purchased. That word in Greek is apolytrosis. And it means to be purchased back, to be, to be bought back in order to be set free. And the picture is, in ancient times, they would have like a, a marketplace, and the, they would bring slaves there to sell them. And so if you wanted to buy a slave, you'd come up, and the highest bidder, of course, would get that slave. But if, it, if you did like this apolatrosis deal for the slave, you bought that slave in order to set them free. And isn't that a great word that he uses there for us? Because Jesus gave his life for us in order to do what? To buy us, to purchase us, in order to set us free. What are, we, what are we in need of being set free from? Number one, the penalty of sin. 
The wages of sin is death. He's, he's set us free from the penalty of sin, right? We're, not, we're no longer heading to hell. There was an amen here for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> right? We've been set free from the power of sin also. The power of sin has been broken in our lives, you guys. Jesus said, he who commits sin is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You're free indeed. Has the Lord set you free? That's amenable stuff, isn't it? Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. And notice what it says here. It says that he has done it with his blood. A payment was made. The payment for you and I was made by the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, the Bible says. You know, we read that and, you know, we hear, we hear that saying about the blood of Jesus. We sing about the blood of Jesus. And think about blood. When, when your body is letting blood flow from you, that's not normally a good thing, is it? Correct? You're cut, you're hurt, you're injured, you're wounded. Blood's coming out. That's what happened to our Jesus, Isaiah 53. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He took our place. We deserve that. That's what our sin deserved was our shed blood, but Jesus, who is innocent, paid the price for you and for me. Remember when, when John the Baptist looked at Jesus, what did he say? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And notice what it says in that verse. His blood is what we're redeemed by. Listen, we're redeemed by his blood alone. Okay? No, no blood means no redemption. Jesus gave his blood. He purchased our freedom. And the result is the forgiveness of sins. The word forgive means to send away, to get rid of. Listen to what God says about your sins and my sins and our lawless deeds. I think it's a good reminder this morning because this is what God says. He says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's good news, isn't it? When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, God said, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. And that may free someone up here this morning, because some of us, I know you deal with condemnation of your past, the things you were engaged in, involved in, the damage you did to yourself, the hurt you did to yourself and others. Listen, Jesus paid for every single one of those sins with his precious blood that you might be set free from that condemnation and that shame as well. For there is that now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who live no longer or no, walk no longer according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. And so forgiveness of sins, it's the work of Jesus Christ. God will no longer hold your sins against you. And that is our greatest need, isn't it? Is the forgiveness of sins our greatest need? That's still not even, that's about 80%. Can I illustrate? Guys, remember the story of when four dudes brought their paralyzed friend to Jesus? You guys remember that story? It's so awesome. We, we all need friends like that, don't we? When we can't get to Jesus, that'll get creative to help us get to Jesus. So these four dudes had a friend that was paralyzed, legs not working. They got him on a stretcher, 
And they bring him to a house where Jesus is giving a Bible study, right? Pharisees are in the front row. I'm not saying you guys are Pharisees. Just, <laughs> just we ran out of room. Penalty box filled up both to left and right. Hallelujah. So Jesus is giving this Bible study. And it says the power of the Lord was there to heal them, specifically the religious leaders who didn't think they needed healing. And so these guys come with their buddy. They've heard that Jesus can heal the sick. You know, the lame are walking, the blind, their eyes are opening, the dead are being raised. They're like, we got to get our buddy to Jesus. And so what do they do? They go to the front door. Could they get in? Back door? Garage door? They don't have garage door. Just making sure you're still with me. So what do they do? I mean, you got to picture this. They got a giant stretcher and they get them on the roof. And roofs are flat over there in Israel. And so somehow they got them up, staircase to the patio, deck deal. And so the Bible study's going on. Jesus is giving a ripping Bible study. Here's the crowd. And then all of a sudden, you got to picture this. You're hearing a little footsteps on the roof. All of a sudden, you're hearing some scratching and stuff starting to fall, and then a little bit of light shines through. Can you imagine how big that hole had to be to let a stretcher down? They're ripping stuff. They're ripping the Who fixed the roof, by the way? Does it say in the story? It doesn't say, does it? I've always wondered that. Did Jesus just go... Because my mind's jacked. So it gets split. And then all of a sudden, I mean, think about that. They're lowering him down. I bet Jesus had the biggest smile on his face. Because it said, it so check this out. It says, when he, speaking of Jesus, saw, check it out when you get a chance, when he saw their faith. Isn't that interesting? Who's he talking about? The four dudes? For sure. Let's get our friend to Jesus. How about the guy also in the, in the mat? You, you want to do what? Lower me down? <laughs> All right, I'm trusting here. But then Jesus said, what did he say? Your sins are forgiven you. And the guys are saying, not the sins, Lord, the legs. <laughs> right? No. But that was his greatest need, was the forgiveness of sins. Because if he walked out of there without knowing Jesus, without experiencing the forgiveness of sins, and died, he would have been separated from God for all eternity. And so Jesus dealt with his, first, his greatest need first. And that's the way the Lord operates in our lives. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. He took our place. And notice what it says in that verse, verse 7, according to, literally that, that according to phrase means, and what it comes down to is what? The riches of his grace, the wealth and abundance of his favor and his kindness towards us. God loves us so much. It's, it's so awesome to think about. God loves us so much that he did what was necessary to fix what was wrong with us by sending his son, Jesus Christ. It's just amazing thought. He did it, you guys. We didn't do, we, he provides the savior, we provide the sinner. It's that simple. And notice what it says in verse eight. He's still speaking about God's grace as he continues this sentence. He made to abound. God made his favor and kindness abound and overflow. Notice this, in our direction towards us. In God's total, all of his wisdom and all of his understanding, he made his grace flow towards us. Is anybody grateful for grace? 
It says in uh, John chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, and of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace upon grace. I'm so grateful for God's grace. And notice that word abound. We don't use that word a lot, do we? Anybody here use abound? We don't, do we? I think it's a great word. It means like an overflow. Like when I saw my girls last week, with my, with my family, I give them, an, I abound with kisses and hugs. Some of you guys, you get hugs too. and Some of you give me the Heisman. No, no, that's cool. I love you. But that word abound, God, he made his grace abound, continually flowing in our direction. Why? That we would hoard it? No, that we would be those that would extend grace. Aren't you grateful for grace coming your way? That grace should be flowing also, abounding in our lives towards others. Having made known, here's one way he made his grace abound to us. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. That word made known speaks of revelation, supernaturally making something known to us. And when you see mystery in the Bible, it doesn't mean like Nancy Drew stuff. It's talking about something that was once hidden but is now revealed to those who are initiated. And so how do I get initiated? Well, how do you become part of God's family? By giving your heart to Jesus Christ. And what happens? It's, it's awesome. One thing that's awesome is now all of a sudden the blinders are off. I understand the word of God. Oh, I don't understand it completely, but it's not all Greek to me anymore. I now have understanding of his word. It's more than words on a page. It becomes life to me. It's the Lord speaking to my heart. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And so what has God done? He's revealed to us the mystery of his will. God's great plans and purposes were once hidden, but now revealed in Jesus Christ. I really, this really touches my heart because what do we know? Think about what we know now as Christians. We know where we came from, don't we? Do you guys know where you came from? It wasn't primordial sludge over billions of years, correct? Christian, do you know where you came from? It wasn't a bunch of random, fortuitous circumstances that you all of a sudden are here. David said, was it Psalm 139? I will praise him for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God creating you and creating me should cause us to praise him. The way he designed you, the way he made you, he made you exactly the way he wanted to make you, by the way. Don't try to be something else. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. We know where we came from. Do you know where you're going this morning? We just talked about it a minute ago. Christian, you're not going to hell. So the other place is where? We're going to heaven. Isn't that great? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Peter said it in 1 Peter chapter 1, didn't he? He said, you have a reservation in heaven. Isn't that beautiful? You have a reservation set for you in heaven. Well, we'll talk about that more in a minute in our inheritance. And notice what it comes down to. According to what it comes down to is God's good pleasure. In other words, this makes God really happy, the way he planned it all out, the way he does things. And isn't it sweet just to think about that God has shared his heart with us? 
He shared something special with us, the mystery of his will, the way he wanted to do things, the way, where you came from, where you're going. You know what life's all about too, don't you? Do you guys know what life's all about? Making money, making big bucks, going with the most toys wins. Is that what life's all about? Biggest bank account, most letters attached to your name. Is that what life's all about? Getting the most likes on your whatever, Insta, Pinterest, whatever that, is that what life's all about? What's life all about? Didn't we talk about it last week? Didn't we talk about it last week? You've been predestined to adoption as his sons. In other words, God's created you to have a relationship with him, to walk with him every day. And then to walk, as you're walking with him, get into the flow of the good works that he's already prepared for you to walk in. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's given us spiritual gifts in order to use for his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom. And so God wants us to get in that flow, the direction that he's going, the, way, the direction that history's going. We know the, the way history's going, don't we? It says in the next verse, by the way, if you're unsure. But we know what life's about. We know what our problem is, too, don't we? This, our, our flesh, the devil, the world. But he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The greatest Christian that ever lived is living in your heart, brother or sister, to help us walk, even when it's hard. And so he's revealed the mystery of his will. We don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You don't need to Google what life's all about. We know where it ends, don't we? Do we know where it all ends, you guys? Just want to make sure because we read it in the next verse. Look what it says. Where it's all flowing toward. Where is history going? Where is the world headed? Look what it says, verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times. Dispensation. That's a big word, isn't it? Disp- Anybody use that word dispensation? We don't, do we? I had to look it up because it's like, because you hear sometimes people say, well, this dispensation and that, and I'm a dispensationalist. Dispensation, I looked it up. Here's what it means. Administration, plan or strategy, or economy. In other words, in God's economy, how he deals with humanity. I would say this morning, God's equal opportunity, isn't he? Is God equal opportunity, gang? He sure is. He offers salvation unto all men. Anyone can put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and be saved and, become, and can become a child of God, become part of the family of God. And so when God is done, in his economy, when he is done administering, he is going to let the clock run until he's ready to wrap it all up in the fullness of times, the sum total of days, that he has in mind, after all the seasons have passed, all the cycles passed that he has planned, what's he going to do? Look what it says. There's going to be a big roundup. Is that a good way to remember it? It's going to be a big roundup, gang. He might gather together in one, everyone connected to Jesus, in heaven and on earth, in him, together with Jesus. And we, we know the end of the story Everything's going to be, all believers will be rounded up. Revelation 21, 22, there's going to be a new heavens and a new. You ever thought about that? How cool that's going to be? What's going to happen to the old? 
Burn, baby, burn. And you and I, brother or sister, we're going to be standing right there, front row seats, as our Father creates something out of nothing. How cool is that going to be? Is that kind of cool, you guys? Boom. New heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells and we live happily ever after. Listen, that's the flow right now. Listen, this morning, are you in the flow? Are you in the flow? Are you going that direction right this morning? Involved in what God would have you to be involved in? This is important because some people are bummed. They're bitter. They're dissatisfied. I'm talking about believers, by the way. I'm talking about believers because you're not in the flow. You're out of the flow. God brought you out of the muck and the mire and put you right in the flow of the direction he's going. Made you part of the family business. And maybe you're not engaged in the father's business and you're dissatisfied. You're bummed. You're still trying to figure out, what am I doing? And the Lord is saying, here's the flow. Here's where it's all going to end. This is where it's, it's going to be all wrapped up in Christ. And the Lord wants to use your life and my life for the furtherance of his kingdom. Why? Because what can we take with us when we die? What does the Bible say? Naked we came in. Naked we, we go, right? I know all my babies, all four of them, they didn't come in with Gucci and whatever. They, <laughs> naked, right? We don't take anything with us, but we can take people with us. Proverbs tells us, he who wins souls is wise. Well, what's God's will for my life? How about sharing Jesus? How about getting in the flow, the direction he's going? If people, I want people to be with me, we're called to make disciples, aren't we? What's God's will for my life, though? How about just making disciples? Starting with your kids, parents, just with your kiddos, husbands with our wives. We're to wash them with what? Husbands, come on, let's go. Are we to power hose them? Here, here you go, baby. <laughs> we're, we're to wash them with the water of the word. Making disciples. Oh, I'm doing that at home. Pastor, yeah, dude, I'm doing that at home. I got that dialed in. Okay, how about a church? There's lots of opportunities to get in the flow of what the Lord is doing. There's, a, there's this little area right outside. It's called the Connection Center. I know there's no sign there. It's kind of hard to tell, but there's all kinds of little flyers and stuff. And there's usually people behind there that can tell you, hey, um, I want to get involved. You can tell them, and they'll say, okay, here's an area to get involved in. Well, I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. doesn't matter. Just start loving the Lord, loving people. Get involved and let the Lord lead you. Just get in the flow of what he's doing. Does that make sense, you guys? For some of us, let me illustrate. Can I illustrate? John 4. You guys remember John 4? Jesus goes out of his way. He's heading northbound from Jerusalem. Goes out of his way to reach one woman. It's a Samaritan woman. You guys remember that story? Goes out of his way. And he's thirsty, so he pulls into the well. You guys remember that? Where did the disciples go? They went to town to do what? 
to get food, to go shopping for food, right? H-E-B, Hebrew market, Heb, right? No, just a joke. They got their hummus, falafel, kebab, right? They pulled into town to get some food. And Jesus, you guys remember, Jesus offers her living water. He tenderly touches the issue in her heart, the sin issue. She was trying to fill the emptiness with men, with relationships. You guys remember that? And he said, drink of that water, you're going to keep thirsting. And you can put that over anything, anything you're, you're searching for or seeking. Those things won't satisfy, satisfy you. Only Jesus can satisfy your heart. But it's interesting. So she leaves. She's like, she, she comes to know Jesus personally. And so she takes off and she heads back to her village. And then the disciples come. You guys remember that? Y'all remember that? They came back with their food and they parked it right there with Jesus. And they asked Jesus, do you want something to eat? And what did he say? I have food that you have no idea about. And they're like, there's like scratching their heads. Did someone go get them, like take out or? What's going on here? It's such a classic, it's so good. And then Jesus goes on to say, he talks about what satisfies him. Remember what Jesus says? This is so important this morning. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You want to know what satisfies Jesus, satisfied him? Was ministering to one woman. Was sharing with someone. Reaching out to someone in love to see them rescued. To do, and that was the Father's will. That's what's going to, sat, listen this morning, that's what's going to satisfy you. You need to get in the flow. If you're, if you're dissatisfied with your life, with your condition, whatever you got, your job, Maybe you need to say, Lord, I want to get in your flow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a change of heart. I'm not going to see myself as a prisoner to, to Microsoft or a, prison, or a prisoner to whatever, to the, to the business I'm in. I'm going to be your prisoner here, Lord. And I want you to, my life, you bought blank check for you, Lord. Whatever you want to do with my life, I'm down. And you know what's going to happen? God's going to start to use your life in a special way. You just got to, sometimes we just have to open our mouth and just say, Lord, give me the words. Fill me with your spirit. God, I want, I want to be right in the middle of your will. I want to be in the flow, the direction you're headed, the direction that life is headed. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to get satisfied. You're going to start to share the gospel and you're going to be reminded how great the good news is. If you're bummed, I would encourage you to do that. That will, that will start to lift you up as you're reminded, as Paul takes us to the heights of, of, of what we have in Jesus Christ, the wealth we have, the riches that we have in Jesus Christ, it does something to you. Like, I got, I thought I was on fire for Jesus, like, <laughs> last week. Like, I don't know, man. Is there some, blue hot, is that something? Blue hot? For Jesus, man. Get in the flow. Verse 11. Look, it talks about Jesus again. In Jesus, in him, we have acquired, obtained, what? A possession, a heritage, a birthright, an endowment. We've received something. Heaven. Can I rewind just for a second? When 
the Samaritan woman went back to the, her village, she told everybody, all the dudes, hey, there's someone out there that the Messiah, he told me everything I've ever done. And who came out? To the, who came out? You guys remember? The whole city. And Jesus is still sitting there talking with his guys. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he says to his disciples, and they're, you know what they're doing? Pass the hummus. Come on, pastor, no way. You're, come on, you're embellishing. You know what Jesus says next? Lift up your eyes and look. The field is white for harvest. You know what that means? Here come all the Samaritan villagers with their white outfits, maybe white turbans, whatever. And he's like, you need to get your eyes off of the temporal and get your eyes on the eternal. This should stir us up this morning. You and I have an inheritance. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He saved you, but he didn't take you home, did he? Did he take anybody home here? Not a trick question, sorry. He left us here, why? To use our lives. To see other people come to get saved, become part of his kingdom, part of the family of God. We've obtained this inheritance. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. God had this pre-planned. Look at verse 11. Before we did anything, and again, the reasons for his choosing are in him, not in us. Look what it says. According to what it comes down to, this was God's plan, his purpose. He makes everything happen, and what it comes down to is his desire, his choosing, his purposes, his wishes. In other words, listen, his plan... His desire was for you to be with him in heaven forever. It's glorious. God's plan before you were ever made is that you would have an inheritance. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. Isn't that amazing? What's a co-heir? Someone that shares an inheritance with someone else. I mean, we get to share with Jesus... That's a, to me, that's a mind blower. He's going to share his stuff with us. Everything in some amazing way. In fact, in John 17, Jesus prays this amazing prayer. At the end of the prayer, he's praying for you and I that we would one day get to experience his glory and share in his glory with him. That's amazing. He prayed that for you and I. That's a mind blower. Look at the next verse. Verse 12. Those who put their hope in Jesus before seeing anything, any of, these come, any of these things come to pass. We who first trusted in Christ to the praise of his glory. This makes Jesus look good. And that's what is fitting. To make him look good. That means to give him praise. We are trophies of God's grace. And then last two verses we'll finish up this morning. In him. Who's in him? In who? In Jesus. Here's how it rolled out. You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. This is great balance. We began, remember this long run on sentence? It began with God's 
election and selection. Remember, you were a first-round draft pick on God's team. He chose you. But you also need to choose. There's a balance throughout the scriptures, you guys. And here's the balance. God chooses, but we also must choose him. How does that all work out, pastor? I have no clue. I talked about this last week. I rejoice. I don't argue and fight and pick a side because the Bible teaches both the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, the choice of the responsibility of man. Are you with me? Please don't send me letters. Or if you do, send it. To, you can send it to me at Michael M. Metter, at Calvary, West Houston. Because notice in him, in Jesus, you what? You also trusted. You also put your trust after you heard. This is why it's so important that we share. You heard what? The word of truth. John 17, 17. Jesus, when he prayed, Father, he said, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Cleanse them, wash them, set them apart with your word. The word of truth, the good news, the gospel of your salvation. So you personalize it. It's your salvation now. You put your trust in Jesus Christ. It's your salvation. He saved you. He rescued you. I believe Jesus died for me personally. He rose again on the third day and that he's coming for me. I personalized it. In whom, look at this, when you put your trust in Jesus, so having heard, you believed, you trusted, and what happened? You were, what did it say, you guys? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were stamped, imprinted, marked for ownership and security. It also means to confirm is authentic. Isn't that cool? You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And for the listeners, check this out, for the listeners in Ephesus, this imagery would be like um, super relevant for them because there was a lot of shipping that happened and it's a port city or was at that time a port city where packages would come in and would go from this area and packages in ancient times, what they would do, they would seal it with nails or however they did it and then they would also take a, uh, they would melt wax And they would put wax on that package and they would imprint it with an insignia, which which uh, which meant that meant not only ownership, but also it confirmed delivery safely. In ancient times, kings would write letters or they dictate it. The scribe would would write it. It would get rolled up and then to keep it closed, hot wax would keep it sealed. And then the king would take his ring, his signet ring and make it imprinted. You know what that meant? If you open this up before it gets delivered, what happens? Off with your head. It meant ownership. It meant security. Isn't that cool to think about? You have the king's insignia on you this morning. You've been sealed. Listen, you've been sealed with a person, not an it, not a personal force. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is a a person. He can be grieved. He can be spoken to. So the Holy Spirit in our lives not only indicates ownership and security, but guess what? Guess what else? Indicates what? Our destiny. Look at the next verse. Or the blessings ahead. 
Next verse. Who, speaks of the Holy Spirit, is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. Isn't that great? He's our guarantee that we're going to heaven. He's the, literally that word means the down payment or the earnest or the deposit guaranteeing what we will receive. Again, what we're going to receive is heaven. Isn't that glorious this morning? The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our coming glory or the earnest of our coming glory. The word in the Greek is arabona. It also speaks of an engagement ring. Any of you guys give your gals an engagement ring? Is anybody married? You guys married out there, dudes? Anybody give your an engagement ring? I, 30 years ago, I gave time. I saved up all my money, hawked a bunch of stuff, got her a killer ring. She still has it. But when you give someone that engagement ring, you're saying, you know what? This is legit. I'm genuine with what I'm I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I am in love with you. I will love you and serve you all my days. As long as I'm sucking air, I'm yours. Right? It says you're legit. You're like, too legit to quit, right? I'm legit, babe. That's what God is saying. He gave you, he sealed you with the Holy Spirit. He's saying, I'm legit. This is legit. You're going to make it. This is the guarantee of your inheritance. Look what it says, until the redemption. When we who were purchased by the blood of Jesus are with him physically, eternally, gloriously, it's going to happen until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. He gets all the praise. Now and forever. Right now we see in part, but guess what? When we see him, man, we're going to know, we're going to understand it all. We're going to get it. We're going to look, we're going to be singing in heaven that killer song, right? Everything you've done is righteous and true. As I look back, I can't believe I was grumbling. I don't know if we're going to say that, but because you were working all things together. I didn't, I didn't quite get it at the time. but I trusted you were in control. I was in chains, and you spoke to my heart to have a change of perspective, change of mind, change of heart. That's repentance. To have a change, to repent of my attitude of how I viewed my circumstances. And I said, Lord, here's my life. Here's my heart afresh. I want to be in the flow, in the direction you're headed, the direction this world is going. Here's my life. Use my life again. What's he going to do? I know. Stay out of the flow. He's going to get you right in the flow. And it's going to be spectacular. Because our God is spectacular. He's awesome. Give, I would encourage you, give him a chance. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. Wow, what amazing blessings that you've freely given us by your grace. And yet we know it cost you your life, that we might have life. Thank you that 
You endured the cross, Jesus, despising the shame. That you did the Father's will and finished the work. God, I pray that we would be finishers, that we would be satisfied with your will, being about your business. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters that maybe they're, they're not in the flow this morning, that they'd be reminded of where true satisfaction comes from. And that they would find their, their purpose, your purposes, your peace, and your plans. Thank you. You've made it so simple. Thank you for your patience with us, your amazing grace that you continue to pour out upon us layer upon layer.